Two Friends, Two Murders contains graphic and explicit content that may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Nobody in an atmosphere like this has any contact with violence or walks in any fear. Except who knows what hides in the private jungle beyond any respectable door. Welcome back to Two Friends, Two Murders. I'm Kylie. And I'm Aubrey. We hope you all had a fantastic holiday break. A long yeah, one. Yeah, our holiday break stretched. <laughs> yeah, it stretched out a little bit longer than we thought, but we're here. We're ready to get back into 2021 with some new murders. Let's do it. Okay, let's do it. So, even though 2021 is starting off obviously no better than 2020... We are here to distract you from the real world with episode 50. I can't believe we're at episode 50. It's crazy to me. It's, they just keep racking up. They are. They're going by so quick, but we love it, and we're so glad you guys have stayed here with us. Absolutely, and we have some really fun themes planned this year, and as always, if you guys ever have ones that you want to hear, just shoot us a message because we're happy to do them. Yeah, absolutely. You, we always love to hear from you, so please message us on Instagram or email us at twofriendstwomurderspodcast at gmail.com. Let us know your favorite episode, some episodes you want to hear, or just say hi. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Just chat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's just have a chat. Yeah. Uh, for episode 50, we decided to go with the theme, Killers Who Turned Themselves In. Yes, yeah. which is always interesting because it's like, most of the time they get caught on something stupid, right? Yep, <clears throat> yep. So, I was reading an article the other day when I came across uh, this theme, and it was interesting to see how many killers have actually turned themselves in, and yeah. one I totally forgot about was Ed Kemper. Yeah, I saw him come up too in my research, and yeah. he's the co-ed killer for all of you that don't recognize the name. Yeah, yeah, I had I totally forgot he turned himself in. So there's a big one for you. Yeah, his is interesting too because he a hundred percent would have gotten away with it. Oh, absolutely. Like they weren't on to, from what I remember, right? Like they were were they they weren't on to him at all, right? Yeah, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. He. He just ran out of options, and he was just like, I guess it's time to turn myself in. Yeah, he's like, I'm bored. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, while I Also, while I was doing my research, I found some funny things that people have been arrested for, so let me share a few with you. They're pretty... Yeah, let's do it. Some of them, I'm like, how does this even happen? But, you know. <laughs> uh, there's one lady who was arrested because when she was driving, she got pulled over, and the police officers found this spoon on the bottom of her, the floor of her car, and it had uh, some residue on it, and they thought maybe it had been drugs or something, so they arrested her and, like, brought the dog out. They were searching her car, whatever. Uh, it turns out they never found any drugs, but the spoon was actually used to eat some SpaghettiOs. Oh, man. So, basically, That's she was arrested <laughs> for eating SpaghettiOs. Oh, my God. I'd be so pissed. I know, right? Um, this one was kind of funny, and I thought of your friend who makes soaps, so let her know this. 
Um, this uh, couple was driving and they were arrested or they were pulled over and then arrested because these cops thought that they had cocaine in the back of their car but it was actually just bars of homemade soap (laughs) oh my god come on people i feel like you can do better police work than that right so you know just kind of just watch out what you have in your car because you never know Uh, This one says, in Florida, a homeless woman was arrested and charged with disorderly conduct after dancing in a vulgar manner in front of a school bus of children. How dare she? She was like, like, (laughs) I know. They're like, "Um, let's not do that. She's like, I'm just trying to teach him how to twerk. Yep. And last but not least, this person was arrested for worshiping too loudly. Oh, shit. You can, I thought that was like a, I thought you could not be arrested for that. I guess they thought he was being rambunctious and obnoxious and that he was disturbing the peace, so they decided to arrest him. Damn, okay. So listen, guys, just be careful what you're eating, carrying, or doing. Yeah. (laughs) All the things. Jesus, that's ridiculous. (sighs) All right, shall we talk about some of these uh, killers that turned themselves in? Yes. I don't remember who's first, so should I just go? Yeah, go for it. Okay. I can't remember who went last time. I don't either. It's been a minute. Okay. Perfect. So my murder is Wayne Adam Ford. Um, so Wayne was born in California on December third, nineteen sixty one. Did I say he was born on California? Starting out great, guys. Okay, so he was the second son of an American father and a German immigrant mother. He was two years old when he actually fell down a flight of stairs and suffered a small brain injury. So they didn't notice any change in his behavior or anything, but they think that this may have played a part years later. Weird. Yeah. So... When he was 10 years old, his parents actually got a divorce, and this is kind of when they noticed Wayne's personality changing, and he was very angry in life, especially when his father moved out and married another woman. So he kind of just over the years started, his behavior started to change. Um, Again, in November of 1980, Wayne was hit by a vehicle being driven by a drunk driver, and he suffered another major head injury. Damn. So, yes. I know, right? So at this point, he's really starting to show some major health and mental issues, okay? Which, okay, dude, you've been hit by a car. It's it's understandable, but maybe not the things he does next. We'll see. Yes. (laughs) So Wayne actually ended up dropping out of high school and enlisted in the U.S. Marine Corps where he served for six years before being honorably discharged in 1985. He was actually discharged because, obviously, with his mental health issues, his anger and personality issues were escalating, and he actually ended up spending several um, months in hospitals just trying to figure out what's going on with him, which actually ended up leading to him being uh, discharged from the Army. Oh, wow. So So things are getting bad. Yeah. When he got out of the Army, he found a job working as a truck driver, so you would think things were getting a little bit better. Um, but he got married, got divorced, got married again, and got divorced again. So, obviously, something's not working out. Yeah, yikes. Um, my guy's a truck driver, too. Oh, my God. What do you know? Maybe they're the ones that turn <laughs> themselves in. Um, so, Wayne started showing major, like I said, major health issues, but he did end up having a son named Max with his wife, but she said that with these health issues and he was angry, abusive and all these things, that's why she decided to leave him. And she oh. took 
or claimed custody of her child and ended up taking him away. Yeah. So, um, Wayne had a few run-ins with the law, including beating and robbing a prostitute, animal cruelty, and other things, which he actually served some jail sentence for both multiple things. So, he had some time. He spent I some swear time. we haven't done a murder that, like, hasn't. I mean, I'm sure we have, but, like, I swear so many of them mess with animals. Oh, yeah, it's absolutely. Just, like, horrendous. Because that's usually what, like, opens the door to these right, crimes, that's right? Right, start. Yeah. Um, so, like, I, Wayne was arrested, oh, let me go back, when he was 15 years old, so before all of this, like I was saying, he had served quite a bit of time in jail, and one of it, when he was 15 years old, was actually having oral sex with a 15-year-old girl, so he, and he was a little bit older, so he was actually charged and arrested on it, because she claimed, obviously, that she didn't want to do it like she said yeah. no all of these things so he was used Ugh. to get getting in trouble so gross yes so um he had some trouble with the law but police would come to find out that his crime was only going to get worse and he we, they found this out on november 4th 1998 so wayne walked into the northern california sheriff's office and told them that he had some evidence Wayne then pulled out a Ziploc bag, which had a severed breast inside, and admitted to killing four women. A severed breast? Yeah, just in a Ziploc bag. You always find a severed breast murder. I know. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I don't know why. I don't know why. They just apparently pop out for me. uh, By Google search. Blame Google. So, police say that Wayne seemed remorseful and apparently had reached a point in his life where he wanted to talk about what he'd been involved in. So, the four victims that Wayne mentioned had all been female hitchhikers or prostitutes who had been sexually assaulted before they were slain and mutilated. One of the murders, yeah, one of the murders actually dated back to 1997 when the torso of a woman between the ages of 18 and 25 was found floating in like a channel of water. What the hell? So, investigators had also found six or seven body parts of unidentified and unidentified women based on the information that Wayne provided them. So they were kind of linking all of these murders that had never been solved to, like, what he was, the information he was giving. Right. So the first body that was found was discovered in October of 1997. The body had been so dismembered that her identity remains unknown. Police, Yeah, police do believe that she was a hitchhiker whom Wayne had picked up, and her torso was the one that was later found um, in the water. One of her arms was also found on a beach, and her he- her head, arms, and another leg are still missing to this day. So it's just like he Ugh. scattered her body all over, right? Yeah. Um, Wayne did admit that he stored other body parts in the freezer <laughs> of his trailer. So he had some actually in his trailer in the woods, and he tried to cook them. Ew. Yeah. They so, always be trying to eat their I bodies, know. too. I don't... It's just a fascination with these guys. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. On what June 2nd, 1998, the nude body of a Las Vegas prostitute, Tina Gibbs, who was 26, was found in another water channel, and she had been strangled. And then four months later, the nude body of Lynette Dion, who was 25 and a prostitute, was found floating in another can or er, canal, her cause of death remains undetermined. Most likely strangulation, just like these other girls. Yeah. 
He obviously had a style. Yep. And then again on October of 1998, Patricia Temez was found floating in another canal and she had been strangled and one of her breasts had been removed. So they're thinking this is the one that he brought in in a Ziploc bag. Mm-hmm. A week, yeah, a week later after all these murders, this is when Wayne walked in to turn himself in. So after confessing to the killings, Wayne told police that he turned himself in before he could kill any more. He had thought about killing his ex-wife, but he didn't want to leave his son an orphan. So at this point, he's just like, I don't know what's happening. I just need to turn myself in because I don't know at what point I'm going to get to, right? Yeah. So his words, he said, I felt ashamed of what I was doing and his anger was directed against his wife and he was getting more and more angry every day. So this must have been he was angry at his wife for leaving and taking his son. So he's taking out probably on women who he felt looked like her or represented her. Um, So that's kind of where this was from. So police started investigating Wayne. They interviewed him for three and a half hours. During this time, Wayne disclosed the location of the head of the women who they found the torso. He led them to a campsite outside of Trinidad to match them with the unidentified other bodies. So he, at this point, was taking them to kind of the locations that he had dumped other body parts. Uh-huh. And he also took them to his trailer where he they found the other body parts in his freezer. So... <laughs> Wayne was arrested, obviously, and put on trial for the death penalty. Wayne's defense was not guilty and blames his behavior on a brain injury from the when he was hit by the car. So he's kind of trying to play that so that right. he yeah, gets insanity. Well, so it's interesting because, like, he doesn't say that it's wrong to be killing this, these women. Yeah. He only thought, he only turned himself in because, not because he would feel bad about killing his ex-wife, but just because he didn't want to leave his son an orphan. Yep, like, he doesn't exactly. actually see that the killing part is what's wrong. It's that he didn't want to leave his kid parentless. Yeah, so exactly. It's weird. So I'm sure he would have kept killing for sure. Yeah, definitely. If he, yeah, for sure. So Wayne confesses that all women had died during sex. So he's trying to say that they had some rough sex. That's what led to the strangulation. And he tried to revive all of them that it was too late. But obviously oh, that's not going to work. Because <laughs> that would have ended maybe with the first one. Right. It's yeah. Like the first one happens then it's like maybe don't do that. Yeah, yeah exactly. No. Yep. So during they the trial. I that too. This guy. I know. He is just like. He's textbook. like your typical killer, right? Yeah. So during the trial, the deaths attributed to Ford include. So these are all the women that he says that he murdered over time. So there's the one in 1997 with the woman whose torso was found. Um, Ford or Wayne says that this was the one, the first one where they had rough sex and she ended up dying. But what's weird is that she had been stabbed 27 times and then her head, arms, legs, and breasts were all cut off. So it kind of doesn't make sense, right? Yeah, where does that add up? Yeah. So the next one is the nude body of Tina Gibbs who was found near the town of Buttonwillow uh, in June of 1998. She was also a prostitute. She died from strangulation and then was dismembered. Lynette Dion, 25, she was the one who was uh, found floating in the irrigation water. Um, Interviews with Ford said that he picked her up. Um, She was a hitchhiker somewhere in San Bernardo County before he drove to Phoenix with her body, tied up in his truck, and then he later drove to Lodi where he dropped the 
her body in a canal. So he had killed her in another state and then dropped her off in another state in the canal, trying to probably, I'm sure, cover his tracks. Yeah, it's like, come on, he obviously knows, like, I feel like that's one of the biggest determiners, too, is, like, he obviously knows he needs to cover this up, because it's wrong. Exactly. The next one, and the last one, was Temez, who was found in California near Hesperia in 1998. Um, He says that he picked her up in a convenience store. He told authorities they took, he took her home. They had rough sex. She died. But again, she was strangled. She had a spine fracture. So she was like, her spine was broken. So he obviously did some damage. That's not rough sex. That is full-on, like, beating this woman, right? Yeah. And then they say her cause of death was actually drowning. Um, So they think that he had strangled her to the point where she passed out. And then mm-hmm. when he threw her in the water, she was still alive. But that actually ended up what killing her was she ended up drowning. Oh, my God. Yeah. That poor thing. That's so horrible. Yeah. So after seven years of investigation, so it took seven years, obviously, collecting all the evidence as it was spread out all across California and other states. Yeah. The jury finally found Wing guilty of first-degree murder of all four women, and he was sentenced to death on August 1st of 2006. He actually is still alive and currently resides on death row in San Quentin State Prison in California. Damn. Yeah. That's crazy. It's crazy how some people are put on death row and, like, the process of them either never, obviously, being put to death because they yeah. either die or whatever, whatever but, right. or they end up not being, like, they go back to trial and it's just weird, you know? It is weird because it's weird when we talk about this, too, and, like, they seem, this seems, like, so far in the past, but it's really not. Like, yeah. a lot of these people are just chilling in prison. Yep. Like, having, le- it's just, it is, it's surreal to think about. I know. It's pretty crazy. And I've always thought, like, the ones that are still in prison, we should try writing a letter. Creepy. I know. <laughs> just curious, like, it would be interesting to get a letter and hear their thoughts on what happened. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, even yeah, though they, obviously I, I almost guarantee they get like thousands of those. Oh, 100%. And you can even buy some. Like there's that website where some of these murders, you can end up buying letters from them, which I don't yeah. know why you would want to buy a letter, but it would just be right. interesting to either like eventually like talk to someone or something and hear their perspective on maybe not so much the murders, but like prison and stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Obviously some like of these men I don't even want to you know have. I mean? like yeah. writing to an inmate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyways, there's there's my man, Wayne Wayne Ford. Man. There you go. I don't know how you always stumble across the severed boob. I'm um, guessing it's just murders. my Google search is like she clearly is interested in these ones, so here's the first one we're gonna show. <laughs> I don't know. Listen, I don't like it. It just happens to pop up. <laughs> I know, it just happens. Oh man. Okay. All right, I'm just going to jump into mine. Okay. Um, so mine is about Keith Jefferson, or a.k.a. the happy face killer. Ew. So I had never heard of this, but Mm-mm. here we go. So Keith Je- Jesperson, he was born in British Columbia, Canada, and was the... Let me pick up my notes, sorry. <laughs> he was... Okay, he was the middle child in his family. <laughs> 
with two brothers and two sisters. Keith did not have a good childhood at all. Um, his father was an abusive alcoholic, and his mother denied being abusive as well, but later on in life, a lot of claims were confirmed by other family members that she was indeed abusive. Okay. Um, he was teased all throughout his schooling because of his bigger size, and his brothers fueled the fire and nicknamed him Igor, and oh. the name stuck, and he was taunted for most of his life. It's a horrible name. I know, so mean. Um, Because of the bullying, Keith stuck to himself and was, like, really a shy kid. And he would get into trouble at school for acting out and being violent. Um, And because of that, then he would be punished by his father by his father beating him severely. Sometimes in front of people with a belt or even being shocked. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so here we go. He Keith started torturing animals, torturing and killing animals. Um, he said it. he liked the way it made him feel to kill them and to watch other animals kill the, um, kill the other animals. So he oh would, like, gosh. capture birds yeah. and cats and dogs all around the trailer park and beat them or strangle them to death. Jeez. Yeah, he's claimed that doing this some, was something his father actually, like, was proud of him for. What? And stated, yeah, so, you know, there's just a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Like, He's killed. Yeah, I don't even know. Um, he also often stated that he'd wondered what it would be like to do this to a human. Oh, gall. Which brings me to his first two murder attempts as a child. Oh. The first time it happened when he was 10 years old and he had a friend named Martin who he felt like was always getting him in trouble. Martin would do things and then blame Keith for it. And this led to Keith beating Martin severely until his father pulled him away. Jeez. And he told his father straight up that he was trying to kill Martin. That is terrifying. A 10-year-old? Yeah. Just, yeah. Oh my no restraint or anything. Just yeah. trying to kill this kid. Well, clearly he was uh, learned that behavior from his father. Yep, exactly. Yep. Um, a year later, he was being bullied by another boy while they were in a, the swimming in the lake, Keith claimed that the boy tried to keep him underwater until he blacked out. Oh, so later on, Keith reciprocated while the boy was at the pool and pushed his head underwater and attempted to drown him until the lifeguard came and stopped him. Jeez. So, those are his first two murder yeah. attempts. Um, after graduating high school, despite never having success in relationships before, he met a girl named Rose Huck, and they got married and had three children together. Like, um, okay. Yeah, so things are seeming to get better. Keith had become a trucker to support the family. However, the marriage became strained. <laughs> So not for very long. Yeah, doesn't surprise me. Rose kept getting weird messages from random women and suspected Keith of having affairs while he was out on the road. So one night while Keith was away, she packed up the family and moved to Spokane, Washington to her parents' house with the children and the couple got divorced in 1990. Okay. So same so, same storyline a little bit. Yeah, Keith. so Keith was thought... <clears throat> with his big stature, he was six seven and two hundred and forty pounds. Well, so he's, he's a, a big yeah, dude. he's a big guy. Yeah, um, he thought because of this he would make a good police officer, mm. and he this became kind of his dream. But during training, he suffered an injury that he couldn't recover from well enough. So he then got a new truck driver job and relocated to Washington. Okay. 
So, Keith's first victim was a girl named Tanya Bennett. He met her on January 23rd of 1990, Portland, Oregon, at a bar. She was known as a really happy, friendly girl and would go out and meet new people all the time. Keith had invited her to play pool with him and a few other guys at this bar, and then later in the night invited her back to his place, which she accepted. He had the intentions of hooking up with Tanya, but when she refused, he started to beat her. Oh, God. He then started to worry that she was going to report him, so he said he put his fist in her mouth and killed her. What? Yeah, so what? Uh, that's like what he says, so whatever the fuck that means. I'm yeah. not sure. It, oh my gosh. Um, <clears throat> he then went out to another bar to establish an alibi, had a few drinks and talked to people, and then went back to dispose of her body and belongings. Jeez. He was back on the road the next day, and her body was found a few days later. Okay. A student had discovered Tanya's body. It had been dumped in a forest-type area off of a highway. The police couldn't tell, or the police could tell that this was obviously a second location and that she hadn't actually yeah. been murdered here because of there, there was like a lack of evidence. Yeah. Um, she didn't have any ID on her. There wasn't any blood on the scene. And there was a piece, it was weird. There had been a piece of jean, like out of her jeans cut, which the police thought was like a trophy for the killer. Oh, yeah. The only reason they were able to ID the body as Tanya is because her mother had recently reported her missing after she didn't come home from the bar. So they went to the bar and people confirmed that she was there, left with someone, but they were vague with the details and didn't have any info on him. So her murderer is basically turning into a cold case at this point. Until they get a call from 57-year-old Laverne Pavlinak, Mm -hmm. who left two anonymous messages saying that she knew who killed Tanya, and then she finally called in identifying herself and claiming that she believed her boyfriend, John, I'm going to butcher this name, Snoznovic, was responsible. Okay. So it's really weird because we we obviously know that it wasn't this guy. But yeah. This, like old lady is calling, telling, like saying, "Hey, my boyfriend killed her." Like, why do you think that? Or are you just trying to get rid of him? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So she claimed that she overheard John bragging to a friend about killing Tanya, and went on to tell them that he had met Tanya at a truck stop, and then took her to this place called the Vista House, where he raped and murdered her. What? From this, they from this claim, they decided to search John's belongings and found a note that said T. Bennett, good piece. So what? whatever that's supposed to mean. <laughs> so they brought John in for questioning, and he agreed to a lie detector to test. Yeah, and it, de- it determined that his answers were deceptive. So Laverne also called later saying that she had found another piece of evidence that was the ripped section of jeans. But when investigators took it to the lab, they could tell like right away that these jeans did not match, you know. Yeah. I'm so confused. That Laverne was trying to fabricate her story. Yeah. So they didn't completely dismiss her, though. And decided to continue the investigation on John and began to build a case against him. Why? I don't know. Like, I'm assuming because it was their only lead at this point. Yeah, yeah. They seemed to think that Laverne wanted out of their relationship with John because he was a bad alcoholic and and that's why she was turning him in. 
Um, at this point, they were obviously having difficulty building this case, at which point Laverne called investigators again and said, I actually need to get my story straight to you guys. So they're like, what is going on with this Yeah, lady? this is confusing. Yeah, super confusing. So she said, she, now her story is, I was there when all of this happened. So now she's claiming that she actually participated in the rape and murder of Tanya. What? Her, yeah, her story was that they met Tanya at a truck stop and it started out all playful and she thought John was going to hook up with her. But once they got to Vista House, which is right by where the body was found, yeah. John raped her and put a rope around her neck and started beating her all while Laverne started strangling her and then they dumped the body together. What? So her story is just wild. Yeah. Um, so the cops are super confused at this point. And to test her, their, her story, they take Laverne out to the body site and made her identify where the body was dumped. Oh, and she smart. was able to point out the exact spot. What? So after this, <laughs> the police arrested her and John for the murder. But big surprise, one, when Laverne was on the stand, she changed her story again. Oh, my god! Stating that she made everything up because she wanted to frame her abusive boyfriend and she made the story up around the details that she had heard in the newspaper she is crazy she had written the note she had ripped the piece of jeans from her granddaughter's jeans and yes and then the police decided like no she's just trying to lie again to get out yeah forward with the conviction this poor dude (laughs) so this just wild goose chase right yeah on January 31st, 1991, Laverne was convicted of felony murder, sexual assault, and sentenced to life in prison. Jesus. John's trial was supposed to be right after, but once he saw what happened to Laverne, he decided to change his plea from not guilty to no contest, skipping a trial but saving him from the death penalty. Yeah. Um, the case was blowing up in the media because it was pretty strange and weird, the details that kept coming about it. Um such as this weird piece of like evidence came and it was there was some in montana so not in the same state but nearby there was some graffiti in a men's bathroom that showed up that said i killed tanya bennett and two people are on trial for the killing but the judge dismissed it as a hoax and went forward with laverne sentencing and the case was closed oh my gosh so, I mean, it's it's wild on the outside looking in, right? You already know. Yeah. But at the time, you could be like, yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Graffitiing in the bathroom. Yeah. So whatever. But I don't know. It's crazy. So three years later, a handwritten letter shows up at an Oregon courthouse stating that they were responsible for the murder of Tanya Bennett, and it had been signed with a smiley face. Hmm. Then, a week later, another letter was sent to a newspaper columnist, uh, Phil Stanford, describing the murder of five different women in great detail, and again, signed as the happy face killer with another smiley face. So there's more than one. Yes. The handwriting matched the message from the graffiti in the Montana bathroom. At first, the cops just thought it was a friend of John or Laverne, like, trying to get them out. Yeah. But the letter had details about the killings that no one had known about, and a lot of cases, and a lot of the cases had gone cold. For instance, he talked about how he stepped on one of their necks just to make sure she was dead, tied them up with specific rope or duct tape, and locations of the body. So just, like, little details, not little, but big details like that, that, like, people wouldn't exactly know. Yeah. 
So the letter was basically mocking the police enforcement, basically stating that they were never going to catch him. And the police didn't really have any other evidence other than these letters um, on the cases. But then came the next victim. So, like, they they obviously know something's going on, but they still don't know, like, where to even start. Yeah. Um, Julianne Winningham is the this next victim. Her body was found dumped by the Columbia River in March 1995. She was naked and had been had been beaten and strangled to death very much like tanya bennett investigators get a big break when the inter- when they interview julianne's mom her mom said that about a week ago she had brought home this huge guy that she had been dating she said his name was like i don't know i can't even remember it wasn't like his actual name though. yeah it was like john or steve or something okay. random like that um let's see but then after digging digging police found that he had actually helped julianne sell her car and the name on it was that was keith hunter jesperson so they were able to find the truck driving drive truck driving company he worked for and they were very cooperative and helped the police like because his schedule obviously a trucker schedule super hard knowing where they're going to be at so they told him where he should kind of like end up in the next couple days and where they'd be able to get a hold of him Hmm. so when they met up with keith they said it was obvious he was very surprised to see him and that they were starting to ask him some questions that he just denied being involved with anything that had to do with julianne and then being her and that other than being his ex-boyfriend her ex-boyfriend he didn't know anything huh um he didn't care that she was dead or even asked how it yeah happened, like but there was enough evidence there wasn't enough evidence to hold him Interesting. So, but what's crazy is that a week later, after two failed suicide attempts, he called the lead investigator and left a voicemail saying, okay, you were right. It was me. I'd like to turn myself in. What the heck? I wonder what clicked. Like, he just I probably mean, knew. He thought that they were close enough yeah. to get him, but they literally did not have enough evidence to, oh, put, like, to even hold him. So yeah. he just, I don't know if it was just out of fear or what. Dang. Um, he, he then confessed to the murders of Julianne, Tanya, and several other women. Jeez. He was able to prove that he was the murderer of Tanya Bennett, Bennett because he led them to where he had hidden her purse and ID. Okay. He claims that to have killed over 185 women. What? But, yeah, that's what he claims, but only eight were confirmed, and Jeez. he was convicted for. Jeez. His other victims were other girls... Uh, or prostitutes he had picked up and then killed by strangling and then again dumping their bodies. He said that one of the girls tried to double charge him for sex and that's why he killed her. Oh he, there's one girl that he got into a fight over a parking spot and that's why he killed her. So anger issues. Um, it's just like ridiculous stuff. Yeah, he is serving four life sentences in prison. At this point, John and Laverne were released from prison after serving four years for a crime they didn't commit. Except she should stay in jail, because she's crazy. <laughs> yeah. She, can you imagine being that crazy and trying to frame yeah. a boyfriend for murder? And to the like, point where you'd, turn, you'd make yourself part of a fake murder just to get him yeah. in jail? Like... Okay. She's, like, realizing they're not believing her. So then she's like, yeah. actually, I was there and did some of it, too. Like, thinking that she wasn't going to get in trouble. Yeah, like. The, Laverne, you are she, You need to change who you date. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So then, um, so Jesperson's daughter, Melissa, actually wrote a book called Shattered Silence, the Ooh. untold story of a serial killer's daughter. I think I've heard of that. Yeah, it got really popular around the time. Huh. 
Um, in it, she talks about how she knew her father was different. And when she still lived with him before her father's divorce, she had seen him torturing kittens in an orchard nearby the house. Oh my God. So, and I mean, I'm sure there's just more and more oh, yeah. details of like, or like instances of that. Yeah. Right. Um, she appeared on Dr. Phil and Oprah and a few crime documentaries talking about him. And I actually have a little clip of where they ended up. I think it's like a dateline where they actually end up talking to Keith from prison about the murder. So Ooh. I'm going to play that for you right now. Okay. Murders, I should say. I like it. People got the blame. So I can kill again. And he did. Two years later, he embarked on a killing spree. What about Lori Ann Kentland? guy yeah he is so cold and cold. oh yeah obviously feels no regret no like, emotion whatsoever and he dragged her under his truck yeah so that was one of the uh, i think that one was a prostitute as well Jeez. so he ended up killing her and then tied her to the underneath of his truck dragging her for ridiculous. like miles and miles tra- supposedly trying to get rid of her ev- like yeah destroy any bodily evidence but give me a break like yeah. he's just sadistic yeah yeah, he's so yeah. If you're there's so many different documentaries on him. He's called the Happy Face Killer because of the like notes that he sent into the poli- the courtroom and the news journalist. Do you have a picture of the note with the smiley face? Uh huh. Ooh, we should post it. There's also uh the graffiti in the bathroom. Oh yeah. There's a bunch of images of that too. Jeez. Yeah. So creepy, creepy. He is crazy. Yeah, he's disgusting. I feel like I have heard about the happy face killer a little bit, but I didn't know anything about it. Yeah, same. Like, it seems like something I've heard of, but, yeah. like, I didn't know any of the details. No. My goodness. You guys have it. And yeah, I, there we go. Killers that turn themselves in. I honestly think the only reason your dude turned himself in is because he wanted people to know it was him, not the other people. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like, 
the fact that he left that graffiti in the bathroom just hoping someone would stumble upon it like straight up and then that wasn't good enough so then he started sending in notes like he definitely wanted the fame from it oh my gosh i'm like tempted to read the daughter's book absolutely i bet it's so good yeah i bet it's like hella creepy yeah well there you guys have it killers who turned themselves in i'm glad they did Yep. I'm sure else, there's... Yeah, more people would die, so... If, if you're thinking of turning yourself in for a crime, please do. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> please do. Hopefully this inspires you to turn yourself in. Yeah. You guys have a good weekend and a good Valentine's Day. Yeah. Yay. Happy Bye. Day. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Two Friends, Two Murders. Go follow us on Instagram at Two Friends, Two Murders Podcast. Episodes are available on both Apple Podcast and Buzzsprout. Don't forget to go leave us a review and share the episode with your friends. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to reach out to us via Instagram or email us at twofriendstwomurderspodcast at gmail.com.